Ladies and gentlemen, I know that football season is back. I know that football season is back. And uh, I know the uh, America's team is playing tonight. More than likely, they will lose. But they have a chance tonight for some reasons that I will not, or well, a reason that I will not mention right now. But as born-again Christians, uh, by the grace of God, we have our priorities right. And we're going to be in the house of the Lord uh, tonight and forever by the grace of God. As I want to continue to preach in your hearing in the series when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was disrespected and dishonored by his own family, neighbors, and friends. This is part six. The Just Jesus Evangelistic Campaign, day 2046, since January the 20th, 2017, day 2,431 since January the 1st, 2016. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 50, 53 through 58. On this Sunday evening, in the Sunday evening evangelistic hour, Verse 53, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, where he was raised into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished, and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom, <clears throat> and these mighty works? In other words, where did, where did this wisdom come from, and this power, and this authority, and this, uh, these mighty works? Let me say here at this junction that God, regardless of a person's pedigree, regardless of a person's background, even to this day, God can raise up somebody to do something great for his glory, praise, and honor. And this is not only played out in the life of Jesus Christ, 
but uh, this pattern has gone on since the time of Christ and no doubt before Christ came. Because God Almighty has the power to take a man or a woman out of a bad situation and make them great for his glory. Such is the case with the Queen, Queen Elizabeth. Some of us call her the Great, Queen Elizabeth II. She took the, the throne because of the death of her father. And she was not there for the death of her father. She was down in Africa. Twenty-something odd years old, coming out of a bad situation. Uh, a father who was not a great king, but God used him to bring into a world a great, a great queen. The king before her father abdicated the throne for adulterous sake and sin and foolishness. She was a female in a totally man's world, but from the get-go she had a bearing about her an authority on her that only God can put on a person. And this has happened down through the years, how that God can take somebody from a family and a town that many people would see as insignificant nothing and God will raise them up of course not on the level of the Son of God I'm just using uh, a pattern and, and, and using him as the ultimate example and we have all seen this it, it is it's amazing how God does that oftentimes God will take the youngest child and make that child the greatest child for him I don't know who is going to be out of my, all of my children to turn out to be a giant for God. Uh, I hope all of them, but uh, God always does this. He, 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 he does amazing things like this. If you, if you pay attention to what's going on in the world. Uh, since you're thinking about football, He'll think he, God will take a kid who didn't have a father, a broken home with mother, 
sleeping around with this man and that man and half-brothers and sisters. And all he ate was Skittles and making one of the most powerful running backs in the history of the game. This has happened. I have a cousin. He hardly ever played basketball with us. We didn't know he could play basketball. He never told anybody he could play basketball. Came from an obscure family. Uh, With, with some issues. He turned out to be one of the greatest basketball players at New Bern High School, uh, in New Bern High School history. Out of all of the other children who seemingly had a better situation, all of, all of his cousins, but turned out to be the greatest out of all of the kids who played basketball together, baseball together, and football together. Uh, and don't be shocked at what God can do with a family that does not seem like it's about anything. Don't be shocked that the cousin who uh, no one thought would do that great. He didn't even think it. Turns out to be uh, the most promising and uh, the most uh, celebrated in that arena. Don't be shocked when God takes the youngest child to turn the world upside down and the child has four or five or six or seven other siblings. They're not heard of. But he or she, they go on to do great things when the older sibling never thought they would do much of anything. God can take somebody who comes from nothing and use him to turn the world upside down. Case in point, Jesus Christ took a poor, obviously in this passage, uh, a ne'er-do-well family, and through that feeble, weak and poor family brought forth the Son of God from a little town called Nazareth, born in a little town called Bethlehem. The neighbors the family members who disrespected him and dishonored him, the neighbors who disrespected him and dishonored him and were offended by him, they didn't see it coming, see. 
But lo and behold, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, just regular old chaps. Families uh, around them felt that their family was no better than theirs and no more special. That's how God works. You never know. I wrote a long time ago in a book that I wrote in the beginning in the vestibule of the book. Don't give up on a young black man because you never know. When people do not expect much of you and then God shows up and does something in your heart and life and you have convictions and Bible knowledge and understanding and insight that your parents definitely did not give you. Nobody in the neighborhood gave it to you. God gave it to you. And his sisters, they're regular people too. We know them. Are they not all with us? Did we not marry one or two? Whence then hath this man all these things? Where did all of this come from? It didn't come from his dad, Papa Joe. Where did it come from? It didn't come from his brothers and sisters and other family members. And they were offended in him but Jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief shall we pray Holy Father God in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I praise you and I thank you for your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Word. I praise you and I thank you for the millions and the many and the manifold blessings that you have bestowed upon us. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for salvation and spiritual, family and life, financial and material, protection and provision, mental and physical blessings that you have bestowed upon me and thus my family and down through the years you have done so and Lord I thank you and I join others in thanking you for doing that for them too. For Jesus Christ's sake please have mercy and grace upon us as your children those of us who are born again and please forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sins and all unrighteousness. I cannot thank you enough, Lord, tonight for the great communion service that we had this morning. 
by your presence and your power as well as the great standing between the living and the dead service by your might and by your power for as your holy word says it is not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the lord no matter how weak and feeble we may feel lord we know that you have all power in your hands and so lord crucify our flesh afresh and anew tonight help us to truly die to self fill us all afresh and anew tonight with the fullness and the power the unction and the anointing of your holy spirit lord uh, help your people not to be distracted by a temporary game that is either going to leave them exhilarated or depressed and so, Holy Father God, I pray that you will uh, deliver each and every one of us tonight from distraction, temptation, evil, and sin. Grant us your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to love right and to live right and to think right and to do right and to act right and to do that which is pleasing in your sight. Help everybody under the sound of my voice even those who have the television set on to cut the television set off and to concentrate on you and to pray to you for that is the most important thing to do and uh, Holy Father God I pray that Lord you would indeed deliver us from temptation evil and sin grant us your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to love right, live right, think right, and do right, and do that which is pleasing in your sight. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And grant us your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit and your help to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways and to repent of our sins and to get back to you our first love. And Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would save those who are lost in my family and beyond, including my wife, Marika White, who I believe is religious and lost. And Holy Father God, as I reminded her today, she cannot fake this, as I've told her, down through the years that she cannot fake the Christian life and so I pray still that she would humble herself and believe in you Lord Jesus Christ in a real sense and that she would allow you to lay aside that she would lay aside her pride and stubbornness and rebelliousness and allow you to take over in her life to fill her with your Holy Spirit so that she can manifest the fruit of uh, your Holy Spirit. Help her to be a shining light to her mother and her aunts and her siblings, to become a truly born-again person, not a religious person in loss as they are and as she is now. I pray the same for my own mother and sisters, and I thank you, Lord, for showing me that just because I want people to be saved, I cannot make them saved. 
I cannot make believe that they're saved because you have said in your word, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I have learned from you personally that you will lovingly teach us, chastise us, rebuke us, that we fully understand what that means. That if we truly love you, we will obey you. Uh, which is the main proof of our salvation along with the fruits of the Spirit. And so, Holy Father God, I pray this same prayer for the hundreds and thousands of individuals who uh, have listened to me and who are listening across this country and around the globe on various and sundry platforms. Open their blinded eyes, unstop their deaf ears, and Lord, save family members of people who truly are believers who would say that they have a Christian family but they really don't have uh, some people in the family rather are not saved not born again they're just riding on the coattails of the truly born again ones and their tares in the church and in the family they have never been born again help these people to examine themselves and see whether or not they be in the faith And Holy Father God, we pray for the salvation of millions around the world. Revive millions of Christians or thousands of Christians. Heal those of us who are sick with whatever issues we may have. Comfort those who are grieving in the millions around the world. For as we have been reminded, hundreds of people just in America alone are still dying from the coronavirus plague. Thousands are dying from the coronavirus plague and other plagues around the world. So, Lord, comfort these people as you see, uh, as you are led and directed, and uh, as you see fit, rather. Draw them to yourself for salvation. And Holy Father God, I pray tonight that you lift all of our burdens. For those of us who are saved, our cares, our worries, and our anxieties. And fill us with your peace tonight, that pass of all understanding, your joy unspeakable, your holy serenity and tranquility of mind and heart. And Lord, if there's no reason for the guilt of sin, Lord, remove even what some call false guilt of sin, engineered by the devil to try to keep your people depressed when they have already confessed their sins and repented and uh, holy father god whatever that is deliver your people from it but if it's real guilt because of real sin lord have it to press down upon us bring us to conviction that we would repent of our sins for real and holy father god i pray tonight for your people who are born again and saved deliver each and every one of us lord from afflictions and distresses tribulations troubles trials temptations tests and tensions and lord uh, break the band of wickedness in the lives of your people Help us to pray and fast, and to fast and pray. And Holy Father God, I pray that you would deliver us also from all spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, 
family, financial, legal, student loan debt, student progress problems. Lord, I pray that all of my children would finish all of their schoolwork. It helped my daughter, my oldest daughter, Danny, tremendously. And Lord, help them to follow her example because she applied her education to her life and in short order, you made her to into a great success. Uh, and Holy Father God, uh, I do pray uh, that you will also, Lord, I want to thank you rather for even though we are being chastised and rebuked in the church and many are seeing some of your wrath around the world, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that, uh, Lord, I thank you for allowing things to be as well as they are. That the housing crisis, the food crisis, the medical crisis, and the utilities crisis is not as bad as it could be and should be, no doubt. Thank you for your mercy in the midst of the wrath and chastisement. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to show that mercy to millions of people around the world. And Holy Father God, again, we thank you for the life of Queen Elizabeth II. And we pray that others would follow her good example. And Lord, we pray for the... Uh, protection of all of my family, all of my children, especially tonight, my birthday girl, Daniel Ezekiel, my birthday boy, my two youngest children, and then Daniqua, uh, one of the hardest working uh, out of all of my children uh, in the ministry, uh, very dependable. And then uh, Danae, Daniqua, or Danae, uh, Danita, Daniel, Ezekiel, Daniel the Fourth, and Danny, uh, Duran, Danielle, and Quazia. And Lord, I pray that they all would examine themselves and make sure that they are saved, even though I had the privilege of leading them to you at the age of seven on their birthdays. And tonight, on this Sunday night, Lord, help them not to drop down their God that I taught them to have at all times and how that I taught them to uh, how to transition from point A to point B and to do what they know they should do, whether they feel like it or not. And tonight I pray that you would protect them, our entire family, and the families of the people in the audience tonight and the families of Christians who name the name of Christ everywhere protect us all tonight from ourselves, our flesh, and the devil and from the demons of hell and from evil people in the family, evil people in the church, and evil people in the world. Tonight, Holy Father God, place upon us the whole armor of God Surround us with a band of your holy angels and a wall of your holy fire. Cover us and cleanse us through the precious blood of Christ. 
We are weak and feeble, and we pray for your energy, your unction, your anointing, and the power of your Holy Spirit. We depend upon you. And have all that we do and say to be done for your glory, your praise and honor, and for the lifting up of Jesus Christ. For it is in his holy name we pray. Amen. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was disrespected and dishonored by his own family and friends and neighbors, and if Jesus Christ had to go through that, you are, you are not greater than your master. And you need to understand, you're going to experience a whole lot of what Jesus Christ experienced. Uh, someone said, we all have a cross to bear. And that person is right. And uh, if you do not have some tough... Uh, a tough hide, this is going to be a rough ride for you. Because it's one thing when people who hardly know you forsake you. It's another thing when your family members and your friends and your neighbors forsake you and don't want to have anything to do with you. For whatever reason. Dr. John Gill said, verse 57 in verse 57, and they were offended in him. It was a stumbling to them how he came by his wisdom and power. Since he had not these things from men of learning, he never went to uh, the seminary. He never went to college. And more books have been written about him by theologians and professors uh, down through the years to the point that you can't even count them all. Yet he never went to a school. He created his own institute with his disciples and taught them for three and a half years. And uh, their attitude was and could not have learned these things from his relatives. Uh, they're just like us. And therefore, rather than believe he had them of himself or from God, they chose to indulge at least a suspicion that he had them from the devil. And as you know, they accused him of this before. What an insult. What an insult to call God the devil. What an insult to call Jesus Christ 
or to say that Jesus Christ had a devil when he watched Satan fall to earth by his power. And so were offended. They were offended in him. Uh, this offense was taken at the meanness of his birth. That is, you know, the ordinariness, the ordinary birth, just a regular birth, a regular family, uh, their poverty. They had to get it like everybody else and work, and they had a carpenter shop. The meanness of the parentage and education, though without reason, for if without the advantage of an education, without human literature and the instructions of men, he was able to expound the scriptures preach such doctrine and deliver such words of wisdom and confirm all this by amazing miracles and mighty works. They ought to have considered him as a divine person. But they did not consider that. And all this as a demonstration of it and of his having a divine mission, at least, and of his being raised up by God for extraordinary purposes. But because they were the folks he grew up with, his brothers and his sisters, family members and friends, cousins and neighbors, Why is it that we do not hear much from Joseph and Mary? Why is it that we don't hear much from his brothers? I surmise, my beloved, they were a family, not, not necessarily Mary, because she, she knew better. Joseph may not know all of the details, but she she knew. But being even in their the minds of the city folk, the country town folk, she was just a regular wife and mother and woman. But what why the silence? From the rest. Could it be that. The family members were even offended in him. Some of the family members were offended in him. The same way some families are today. When one stands out in the family. And rises above. Like Joseph rose above his family. 
And they, they killed him, or they thought they killed him because they were envious of him and his coat of many colors. See, this thing happens all the time. This happened in the uh, Old Testament, too. In fact, Joseph is a type of Christ in the Holy Scriptures. Were they offended in him because to them he was causing the family some embarrassment because uh, the rest of the folks did not think that much of him and they wanted to kind of fit in? I don't know, but I do know that is a problem. As long as you regular, uh, uh, you're doing what we think you ought to do, uh, you're fine. You can fit in. But uh, if you're not doing and, and, and preaching like everybody else and joining the cesspool of following everybody and their foolishness, which leads nowhere but to the ditch, and that's where most of the church is today, whether you like it or not. So you don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. And you know somebody else who does not want to hear it? My family members don't want to hear anything like that. They, they, they think that's negative. They hate for me to run certain articles because to them is negative. And, and they are offended in me. But this is the calling that God has put upon me. Now you say, well, can't you preach some good news? I preach good news every day. Now, if you want me to find some good news in this world, I can't find much. Or I can make up a little good news story. Like the news, you know how the news, they make me so sick with that syrupy, saccharine foolishness. They, 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 they report some horrifying news about a woman was run down into the woods and raped and killed and hung upside down. And then they want to find a little kitty cat at the end how this kitty cat uh, saved uh, her owner, you know. And we're supposed to get all teary-eyed and excited about that. No, I, I, listen, there's no good news to report to you in, about, the, about the church. No. No, I, I have no good news for you. We are watching, we are experiencing, and we are the falling away church into the ditch. Much those of you who are trying to hang on into a, a, a church situation and setting, that's all you're doing because you're not holding on to anything in most of these churches. I don't care how many campuses they have. I don't care how big they are. I don't care who the pastor thinks he is. They're dead men walking in most of these churches, 90 plus percent of them. People like George Bonner does not lie. He, he probably does not even want to report the demonic foolishness that he's finding, but he's forced to. And I've been preaching on it for the past 12, 20 years. Now I have the stats. Lifeway the same way. And Lifeway definitely does not want to report about a whole bunch of bad news in the church. But the reality, there is a whole bunch of bad news in the church. Thank God for, for the remnant. Thank God for the faithful few.
thank God for the 7,000. In this day and time, we might want to we might want to uh, uh, appeal it back to 700 because I don't see that many. Say I don't see I don't see 7,000. We might want to start a new 700 club. And I know you don't. Some I got pastors who they can't stand me because I I tell the truth like this. I preach this. There's something wrong. And see, you know one of the reasons why they don't like it. This includes my own mother and sisters who are supposed to be uh, female pastors over men and all of that foolishness and sin and evil. Evidently, there are some, uh, a few homosexuals in the family that uh, their family members trying to defend and, and, and ask questions like, why, why do you have to preach on that all the time? Because it is very destructive to the life of the individual other people families churches communities and the nation and god uh, you don't want to get god started which you have already and right now you you only hear by the grace of god if you're still here only by the grace of god because that, that is a line with God. He's proven that to you in, in history down through the years. That's a line that you better not cross. Because you invite the wrath of God. You invite the chastisement of God. And we have people in the so-called church today. The Judas church that is hell bent. To continue with this foolishness. Hell bent. And so they don't like it. You don't fit in with us. I know because I'm not in the little following circle of cesspool foolishness that you people are doing. Some of you people don't even know God. You just want things to go on anyhow as they were. You want people to come back and sit down in the church pews with you. And so that you can get that money and keep that money going and keep the machinery going with no benefit to the people uh, over half of the people if not more are lost and on their way to hell but you got them hooked on your charismatic gift and uh, uh, what, what they call charismatic leadership and you got them hooked uh, with lies you are a physician of no value. You got them hooked on you and not Jesus. And so that's what we're dealing with today. This is why uh, most people in my family and outside of my family are not going to like me. And that's okay. But we cannot call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ. And at the same time call ourselves an inclusive church. Which includes homosexuals being members of the church. 
when we would not have adulterers and adulteresses to be members of the church. Except for those who are divorced and remarried, living in adultery. But Jesus said unto them, being unmoved at their offense in him. Notice that phrase, Jesus Christ was unmoved. Most pastors are wired in such a way that they get moved by people being offended in them. That's why they want to fit in. They want to fit in with the other pastors and their false and dumb ideas. They want to fit in with the local government. They want to be liked. They want to be loved. They want to fit in with the national government. And I wrote an in-depth article the other day. It was very popular. It went viral, as they say how that pastors should not deal with presidential politics and high government officials because they want to be liked so much and and well received and and loved and and they get all caught up in the perks that the government officials offer them uh, uh, going to the christmas party at the white house and all of the invited here and there and all of that. Uh, pastors who are normally who are not wired to be important, who are normally not important, uh, they want to be important so badly, they will do anything, as has been seen in multiple uh, presidencies, they'll do anything to stay in, good, in the good graces of the president. They'll even compromise the word of God and lie and cover up stuff to fit in. I'm still wondering why three white Southern Baptist pastors who tried to be magnanimous and help the first black president Why is it that all three had a child to die of suicide? <clears throat> is that a coincidence? As far as I know, uh, I haven't seen or heard about any other Southern Baptist um, pastors seeing their child die of suicide I, I, and I'm in the I'm, I'm, I'm in the news I know what's happening but under Obama three pastors who tried to help him they all suffered a child dying from suicide And they're always, the pastors are always used by the presidents. The pastors don't, they don't deliver what God wants to use the president for because they want to keep that little 
perky um, those perks going and want to appear to be important because you're in you're on some kind of council with the president which means nothing because you got to sign paperwork that you don't say anything negative about the president the president of the United States makes you the pastor the man of God a man of truth to make he makes you sign just like everybody else you can't say anything negative about the president and you sign your life away and your freedom away to tell the pa uh, the president the truth or to tell the truth on the president I'm still wondering why two black pastors who supported Trump, even with his gung-ho foolishness uh, regarding the coronavirus, they both died. Dr. Harry Jackson, and I forget the other man's name, Dr. Herman Cain, Reverend Herman Cain, two good men. And what, what, what is so sad about that, no real recognition of their contributions worth anything. These men risked their lives following Trump to the death, doing things they, they knew they should not have done, but trying to be brave and show themselves to be brave which was very stupid for people to do that. Not just them, others. That is nothing to die for. And so I said preachers, pastors rather, really, should not be, should never get back involved in presidential politics like they're gearing up to do right now. And they certainly should not follow the Jezebel Paula White. We have the same last name, but there's no relation whatsoever. But they're gearing up for it again. to get all entangled in that foolishness. Losing their testimony and their witness for the Lord. Because like the queen, pastors and churches ought to rise above it all. And as Dr. Tony Evans has said many times, but you people didn't listen, that's why you're in the mess you're in today. We're the referees. We're not for either side. We're for God. The God who wrote the rules that you're violating, all of you are violating. We always have to be free as servants of the Lord to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So help us, God. Jesus was unmoved at their offense in him. And if you're going to be a, a servant of the Lord, you've got to be that way. You've got to get to that point, even if it means losing your family. That's right, because of the reason why I said earlier, people get offended in you and they want they want to be 
accepted by a certain church group or some uh, 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 certain neighbors and people uh, in the city, in the state, in the country. And by them being connected to you in any kind of way, uh, you're causing them to be ostracized unless they uh, go to the mat and try to bring you down or to at least be seen as trying to bring you down and stop you because these enemies they want your wife and your children to betray you and show that they're betraying you and they're getting paid good money to do so so he was not moved and uh, by uh, their offense in him and contempt of him which was no other than what he expected see Jesus Christ who knows all things he expected this and I have news for you those who are truly called by God uh, God will give you a heads up way ahead of time that you have Judas's in your family you have a person who is filled with the spirit of Judas And the spirit of Judas is against God and it's against Jesus Christ. But if you're on the side of Jesus Christ and God, then it's going to be against you too. And and they don't care anything about it being family. And you better not care about it being family if you're going to stand for God. And that's what God wants because God is, we don't hear about it much today, but God is a jealous God. Now either you're going to make up your mind and stand with me in light of the fact that I created you from nothing and I redeemed you from hell, uh, I would uh, strongly, lovingly encourage you to stand with me. And cause, because I've already told you, if you love your family more than you love me, then uh, you're not worthy to even be, uh, even to follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Whatever. Uh, But I know that no love uh, for family should compare to your love for me. I am God and I am the son of God. And uh, I'm the one that gave your family life. So this philosophy you people have developed in America that family is everything is a lie out of hell and comes straight from the devil. Family can't be everything. God has to be everything. Jesus has to be everything. Everything. Because God is the one who gave you the family. And see, I made it my mind a long time ago. I know what I have done for my wife to help her get to this point further than twice double the amount of time her family members have been married. And in, in, and if I had not dealt with her the way I dealt with her, she would not be here tonight. 
and also regarding my own children that I love very much and I thank God for the privilege of raising them and for the fun times we had together serving and most of all serving the Lord I would not be shocked if one or two or however many become Judases against me just like my wife has been for years I would not be shocked I expect it I'm not shocked by it I'm not surprised by it but one thing is for sure I'm gonna stand with God and I'm gonna to continue to preach God's Word the way he gives it to me as a witness for him and I pray and hope that at least my children will remember what God did for all of us in getting us to, to this point and how that we worked together in serving the Lord and I pray and hope that they will remember God's Word and that they would not be in that number of Judas's that betray me but if so so be it I'm prepared for that in every way and you better be prepared for that Jesus Jesus Christ was not shocked at it and you better not be shocked at it a prophet is not without honor he said save in his own country and in his own house In his own house that word house in his own house which seems to be a proverbial speech in common use though I have not met with it in Jewish writings he said showing that a prophet or any teacher or preacher generally speaking is more esteemed among strangers who have no personal uh, connection or pique no prejudices against him and who judge of him not by what he has been but by his present abilities doctrine and conduct than among his countrymen who are apt to think meanly of him, lowly of him, or low of him, because familiarity breeds contempt. Because they are familiar, familiarly acquainted with him and knew, if not his vices, yet his infirmities, and envy him any superior degree of honor to them he has attained unto they don't like it now I do not agree with uh, Dr. Gill I believe this is an original statement from Jesus Christ the reason why he couldn't find anything in the Hebrew writings is because Jesus Christ was the first one to utter it and it is now a proverb because he said it and it is a reality 
And so if you are truly born again, because this refers not only to prophets, uh, but to anybody who uh, is seen as a prophet, who is truly born again and who lines up with God's word. Regular Christians will experience this if they truly get born again and saved they will go through this too you will feel ostracized by certain family members you will feel ostracized by certain church members because you refuse to run with them and being a whoremonger and a whore calling yourself a Christian running off to clubs for the jam jam boogie boogie motion and going off to places you know you ought not to go where you feel guilty and they don't getting drunk and then being raped and then lying about it or raping somebody and lying about it because you God in you told you not to go but you chose to disobey God. And now you're angry and mad at the people who love you the most. Because you did not obey. Uh, you did not pay attention to what you have been taught. And you're filled with guilt and you're filled with pain. Because you knew better. But you wanted to fit in. They have been doing this for years, and they knew you were a newbie, and they took advantage of you. And you woke up someplace that you couldn't even remember how you got there. And you're, you are ashamed because of your evil and sin, your rebelliousness. You can't even look the people in the eye who love you the most. You can't speak peaceably to them. You have turned against God. You have turned against Jesus. You have turned against the servant of the Lord. That even some of you used to serve the Lord with. And you wish you can get back to that place. But it's hard. You wish you can return the 30 pieces of silver that you have gained blood money betrayal money but now you think you're too far gone but if you want to come back God will give you the grace to do so but you got to come clean and you got to come right and not in your pride continue in your sin and foolishness. And so ladies and gentlemen. I have so much more to say to you tonight. But with that. I'm going to. Uh, break away. And. Uh, my son Daniel Ezekiel. Is going to help me. Uh, pick up here next week. As I told you. We'll probably be here all the way through October because this is because of 
what has come upon us in the world. This is a, this is an issue across the country and around the globe. And so it's very timely that we have come upon it. And it was particularly timely for even me. Dr. John McNeil, Jr. of the Atlanta Bible Baptist Church. He taught me a great lesson. He did, and he, he, I might have mentioned it to him, but he, he probably does not even know. One of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. You preach through a book, and God will find everybody every time. And, and and amazing, amazingly, if you're a God-called preacher, every uh, paragraph, however you break down that chapter, will speak to everybody's heart in a powerful way. And when you preach exp- expository preaching like this, um, amazingly, it will be a timely message. I cannot explain that to you other than that's just God. I cannot explain that to you. You don't have to skip around trying to get an exciting message. Have you ever noticed uh, Dr. Tony Evans's preaching? Dr. Tony Evans rarely has an exciting sounding title. He does not emphasize that. Some people have an exciting title and come there, it's nothing but emptiness and uh, it does not really um, do the job. It, it may draw people in but it won't keep the people. He hardly ever has an exciting uh, off-the-wall type title. It's very simple because the power, he knows, the power is in the word. It's not in the slick title. And I had to learn that when I first got uh, saved and God called me to preach. I, I thought it was in the title and and, uh, and, and in the topical uh, preaching style. But as I listened to other preachers, I marveled at preachers who can preach through a book and how powerful it was. You didn't want to miss a thing. And how they didn't have to repeat themselves that much. And so that's where we are. That's what we're doing. We did it through the book of John. And now we're going through the book of Matthew. And here a little, there a little, line upon line. And so, dear friends, let's pray. Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for your holy word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that I would not want to be anywhere else than right here. Preaching your holy word, preaching your holy gospel. Thank you for the message tonight. 
And Holy Father God, thank you for the people uh, who chose not to watch the game, but to hear your holy word in times like these, and they made a wise choice. And Lord, if you should tarry your coming, and if you would allow me to live, help me to pick it up right from here next week this time. And Lord, to continue on with it. And Lord, help people to get set free from people in their family and in their neighborhood who don't want to have anything to do with them because they stand for you. Whether they are a, uh, a, they're a pastor or a preacher or uh, a born-again Christian, to some degree, everybody who is saved and born again would have to deal with this, uh, would have to deal with this and make up their mind uh, whom they will serve. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And uh, I pray that you'll help your people to make that same decision. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake, amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you're with us tonight and you are not saved, you're not born again, you're not a Christian, if you were to die tonight, you would go to hell and not heaven. Or you, you may be a person who's not sure if you want to get saved from the power of sin in your life and saved from eternal hell, the burning hell, first understand that you need to accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have done evil in God's sight. For the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes you. That includes me. That includes the Pope the Dalai Lama, and even Joel Osteen. We have committed crimes against heaven. We are guilty of sins down here on earth. We have broken God's Ten Commandments by lying, by stealing, by coveting, by lusting after people and things coveting what other people have. We have committed the sins of disobeying and dishonoring our parents. We have committed the sins of disobeying God and taking, taking his name in vain. We all have done evil in God's sight. And so we are guilty. And we deserve to go to the burning hell forever and forever. Just like a criminal deserves to go to jail. Have you ever thought about that? Please understand, all sin must be paid for. And so either you're going to 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept his payment that he paid on the cross for your sins. For he is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. He suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day. Or you're going to pay for your sins in the eternal burning hell. Forever and forever. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That means that we're going to suffer the punishment of death for our sins. What a painful thing is death. Queen Elizabeth II died this past week. And the people, when they went to Buckingham Palace, they said, they said to a man or to a woman, we knew she was going to die. We knew she was 96 years old, uh, but yet it's still a shock. And they have no relation to this woman. People have said this around the world. Do not believe these lying philosophers that death is uh, a part of life. It is not a part of life, my friends. It is the end of life. And you're going to experience it. I'm going to experience it. And I think it's worse when somebody in our family experiences it and dies. And, and, and it's more painful for us, it seems, than it is for them. Death is a terrible thing because we have done terrible things in God's sight. The reason why we die, my dear friend, is because of sin. The sins that we have chosen to commit against God and our sinful nature that produces sin like a factory. And the Bible makes it clear. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So lay aside the remote control for a minute and understand that death is coming for you and for me. And a football game is not going to matter then. A basketball game is not going to matter then. Make sure your soul is saved now. Make sure you have your eternal life insurance policy paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sign in his blood and you don't have to pay a dime. All you have to do is believe in him. For hell is a very real place. Jesus Christ himself preached more on hell than all of the prophets and all of the apostles. Jesus Christ has preached more on hell than most pastors living today. And Jesus Christ has never lied because he cannot lie. And Jesus Christ and God 
do not play games. So understand what God wants you to understand. That if he will allow you to die from off of this ball, this beautiful ball called earth, never to see the light of earth again, he will allow you to go to hell to spend eternity in the darkness in the fire and the pain of hell throughout eternity. You say, well, what is the way out of that? How can I get out of that? You can't get out of it with your good works or your good looks or money or getting baptized. God does not need your money, obviously. You don't have enough money to pay for this salvation. That cost the Son of God great suffering and bleeding and pain on the cross for your sins. He was buried and rose on the third day. You don't have enough money and you don't have enough time to work your way to heaven. Church membership cannot save your soul. Helping in a church service cannot save your soul. Being an ambulance driver cannot save your soul. Helping thousands of people with food and housing and health issues cannot save your soul. Getting baptized cannot save your soul. Because if that was the case, Jesus Christ died in vain. And he did not die in vain. He died for your sins. Your sins cost him his life on the cross. A cruel death. He went through hell and went to hell for you and me. He suffered, he bled, and he died like no other man and was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God. And Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, Jesus Christ said, plug it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a real place because Jesus Christ said so. And he told you that not because he hates you, and he told us that not because he hates us, but because he loves us and he is warning us so that we would take advantage of what he did on the cross for our sins. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That includes your sins. And he said, 
the most important words in the world, that if you understand them and believe them and believe in him, you will be saved from this awful place called hell. And the hellish is life that you live in, even though you will have tribulations in this world, even as a saved person. Jesus Christ said, For God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, that's perish in hell, but have everlasting life in heaven. My dear friends, it is as simple as that. If you want to get saved from hell tonight, it is your choice. God is not going to make you, and I can't make you. If you want to go to hell, then all you have to do is reject Jesus Christ and don't believe in him. Nobody's going to make you do anything. But right now, I'm getting ready to pray the sinner's prayer that leads to salvation. If you would believe in your heart in Jesus Christ, the good news in the gospel that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. He suffered, he bled, and he died on a cruel cross for you and for me. Was buried and rose on the third day. All you have to do is believe in him. And he'll do the rest. Don't wait for a perfect time. There is no perfect time. Don't listen to the devil who's telling you, yeah, that, that sounds good, but uh, don't do it tonight. You can do it another time. Uh, he's trying to send your soul to hell. Don't believe the lie. Well, let me go and clean my life up first, and then I'll come back to you and talk with you about it. Uh, you might be dead by that time. So, as the Bible says, uh, very clearly, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised you. And so if you want to get saved on this Sunday night, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou you shall be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 13 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on his name. Follow me in what is called the sinner's prayer. Repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Let's pray. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner and I have sinned against you repeatedly and I have done evil in your sight and I know that I deserve to go to hell forever. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. My failures and my faults. 
as I now believe with all of my heart in your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins to pay my sin debts. Lord Jesus Christ, please uh, come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul tonight. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to truly repent of my sins. Help me to turn from my evil ways. Help me to change and help me to follow you in the newness of life. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake, amen. Dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he suffered, bled and died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God, and you called upon his name in prayer in sincerity. According to the Holy Bible, the word of God, you are now saved from hell, and you're on your way to heaven. To help you to grow in the faith, dear friend, please go to uh, gospellightsociety.com or gospellighthouseofprayer.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That book is based upon that passage. Jesus Christ is the door. By your believing in him, you walked through the door of salvation. And now you can read this book. You can download it in three minutes and begin reading. It will give you the next steps of how, uh, what you ought to do uh, to grow in the faith and be the Christian disciple that God wants you to be. Also, uh, email us and let, you, and let us know, rather, that you got saved so that we can rejoice with you. And if you have a prayer request, uh, please send that to the same email, dw3 at Gospel Light Society. And we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. If you have any questions, we have people who are, 20, who are up 24 hours a day, seven days a week working for the Lord. And uh, they will get your prayer requests and your questions and get them over to me. And I will begin to pray for you. And uh, we have people who can answer your questions. And also, um, we have more material to send you, even above the book. Uh, if you would just email us and let us know that you got saved today. Until next time, my beloved, may God bless you and keep you is my prayer. Make sure you pray without ceasing. Until next time, Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh.